The first reading is from Joel, the second chapter. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his hand, his land, and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. The ministry of the gospel endures many challenges and hardships. Through this ministry, God's reconciling activity in the death of Christ reaches into the depths of our lives to bring us into a right relationship with God. In this way, God accepts us into the reality of divine salvation. The second reading is from Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For your sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order that, or in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not act like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. So as he said earlier, the season of Lent, it begins today, the day we call Ash Wednesday. On this day, we get to remember that we are children of God, created from dust, and yet filled with the breath 
of life, the breath of the Spirit or God. On Ash Wednesday, we face what many, and sometimes it's almost with near desperation, what they attempt to avoid. We face, as Christians, mortality, the limit of our earth-born existence. Ashes are smeared on our foreheads as we hear the same words that were spoken to Adam and Eve following their disobedience. God said to them, you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. That's Genesis chapter 3 if you want to look sometime later on this week. On the day that our family and friends will gather at our grave, they will hear a pastor there say these words, most likely, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The imposition of ashes, the imposing of ashes upon our forehead, it presses upon our flesh a stark and tangible reality that these bodies will not last forever. That said, Ash Wednesday, it also serves as a gate. It is an invitation to embark through this gate on a profound spiritual journey that will lead us with Jesus to the cross, to death, the grave, and then to new life in the Easter resurrection. What a journey in the next 40-something days. A few years ago, when I was at a youth retreat, the musical theme of this retreat was Dancing at the Crossroads. And I thought that was a curious name because the theme in the Bible studies and the messages that were spoken over the retreat were all about hypocrisy. Now, if you think about the basic definition of hypocrisy, if you were to try to explain to someone what hypocrisy means, what would be some things that come to your mind when you think of hypocrisy or a hypocrite? What would be some, and we're a small enough group, you can answer. What would be some things that come to mind? Anybody? Saying one thing, Saying one thing but doing another, okay. Any other, any other thoughts about what hypocrisy is? If you're trying to explain it to someone who didn't really know the definition, what would you say? And I got some smart people in the room right now. This is, all right. The pressure of being online, maybe. I don't know. No. Well, how about this? Hypocrisy to play a part, to pretend. Because in ancient Greece, the art of acting was called hypocrisy. If you were a Greek actor, you were a hypocrite. If you were um, an actor, you wanted to be the best hypocrite you could be. We've, we've changed that after Jesus spoke of hypocrisy. But in a different world, in a different time, being a hypocrite, it was... It was good. The better that they were, were at being a hypocrite, the greater amount of fame, the greater the amount of rank, the greater amount of wealth and notoriety within this Greek drama world. Because some of the hypocrites, they got to play villains. Some got to play the parts of heroes. Some is, is um, victims or in the supporting cast. Think about our modern day actors. We could call all of our modern day actors, what you see in the movies and on television, hypocrites. Because in the Greek word, that's what they were. The difference was, 
is that more often than not in the Greek world, they wore costumes. And I mean, I know our actors wear costumes as well, so they can fit the part. But the Greek actors would also wear a mask as well. So you, would, you wouldn't see the person, you would see the character, right? Imagine how hard it is now. If you watch one of your favorite movie characters and they play a certain character, maybe in a series that takes a number of years, and then you see him in a different movie playing a different role, it's kind of awkward, right? It's like, Whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Some of them are playing the same character all the time. They just change names and titles to the movies. But in the Greek world, they could change that in a hurry just by changing the mask and the costume. They would wear the mask to help others identify with the character because those masks could be artistically presented. They could also wear the mask so that no one would know who the actor was. That was also part of the... the the, the, the fun of going to the, to the Greek play. Which one was which? Could you tell just by their voice? Would they give it away in what they, they showed to their, themselves? But either way, the idea of mass and hypocrites, that was being addressed in this retreat. And we were remembering with youth that Jesus is calling men and women who pretend, this is where it gets negative of us, people who, who pretend to love God, so that others would respect them or, or honor them, he calls those people hypocrites, actors. Jesus calls men and women who pretend to love God in the way they serve, in their charity, in the way they go all the Bible studies, in the way they do all the church work, or in their open prayer, in their work and worship. They call people who do that to earn respect or to earn merit or to get attention or to earn some sort of an excuse for other bad behaviors. He calls that sin, and he calls it hypocrisy. Now, at this youth retreat, the young people were invited to recognize that everyone in some way, everyone in some way or another, is tempted to wear masks. Masks that can hide themselves from others. Or maybe those masks or those behaviors and those attitudes and presentations of themselves could, could maybe please somebody. Or display strength, right? Wear a mask that I'm not afraid of anything when inside you're a little nervous. I mean, what kind of masks are we wearing? Maybe they would want to display intelligence to cover up some other fear. Maybe they'd want to gain popularity so they'd wear one mask with this group but then another mask with that group. Maybe they'd want to wear a mask to have positions in church, home, or school. We confronted the kids with this, the young ones with this. They were asked to consider why other people might wear masks and play these various roles as well. So now they're engaging why, what kind of a system are they participating in in their daily life that would inspire someone else to wear a mask and to hide their true self because they're afraid that that true self wouldn't be loved or respected or wanted. And so then they start engaging how everybody's doing it and why they might and how they are making that world happen for the others. Now, during this last day, each of the young people, they were asked to take a white mask. You know, you can go to the store and you can buy just a blank mask that has a little stretch string on the back of it. Each young one was there. Actually, the, the veterans, like myself, we were included to do this. Take the mask, and we had all kinds of coloring devices out there, and you were to, you were to color your mask. Um, let it represent you in some way or another. Well, they took those masks, they worked all day to do this, 
And how they painted their masks and recovered their masks with this colors was, was very revealing. That night during um, worship, they were going to parade, parade these masks. Everybody would come into service. They all have a, go, a chance to go out, put their mask on when no one was looking and try to come in and make sure that, try to see if anybody could figure out how they were. And some of the masks were real smiley face masks. All right. Some masks, this is kind of weird, they were half. I remember some of these masks, even today. Half was a smiley face, and the other half was like a frown and angry face. Some of them had different colors and different zones. They split them in different ways. Some had scars and gashes. Some were like camouflage. Some were like war masks. Right? There is a great diversity in these masks. Now, during the service, they put these masks on, or they went out, and they came back and put these masks on. We had a little bit of a mask parade. Everybody could go around in a circle and then take their seats. And as we did that, that was also interesting because some wanted everybody to see their mask, right? How awesome is my mask? And other people were kind of like just always looking down, didn't want anybody else to see because there was something in the mask that was reflective of them in ways, right? And then after a time of singing, they were invited one by one to approach the altar area. And we had probably like six different people up there, youth ministers and pastors up there sitting in chairs. And they were to go and sit by someone of their choosing. It could have been their pastor or their youth minister, or for safety, they could have gone to somebody that they didn't know. But we, had, we were up there, and as they would come up there, they would sit, and we'd ask them to tell us about their mask. What did it mean? And the stories were deep. They were real and they were deep. Then after they shared that story, they were asked to take, go and stand in front of the cross. We had different crosses up there to stand in front of the cross and take off their mask and recite the prayer that we had them to recite. And then after they recited that prayer, they were to leave their mask at the foot of the cross. They could come back later on at their service and get it if they really wanted to, but they were asked to leave their mask there and then go back to their seats. Symbolically risking to be honest in the presence of Christ. In that place with their mask removed, they were to remember the truth. They were to say a statement that you're a child of God, God loves you, and God forgives you no matter what. And they return to the seats. Now, if that's stirring today on Ash Wednesday, some people, sometimes after playing the different roles that we play in our lives, the different characters that we play, sometimes we forget who we really are. Like it or not, ready or not, wanted or not, when we die, every one of us will leave our masks behind and at the foot of the cross in the presence of Jesus. Every one of us will be seen for who we really are and not who we present ourselves to be. Now, some might fear this and try to avoid even considering that this is going to happen someday. But there are others who wait for this day with a hope and a confidence because they trust that Jesus' love is bigger than our capacity to sin and that his capacity to love, love us means that we have worth and we have value and nothing is other than that would be everything other than that would be a lie. 
that that is a great truth. And some people hold on to that and they approach death with no fear and no anxiety because they know who they are and whose they are. So on this Ash Wednesday, I'm asking that each one of us who's worshiping and considering this tonight, that you continue this journey, remember this journey, that you will look for the truth of Jesus as we go through the, the devotions and as you go through the Bible lessons, as we go from Wednesday to Sunday to Wednesday, that you'll look for the truth of Jesus, that you'll set aside the lies of the world that are constantly saying you're not enough, you need to be more, and you're in all the ways that you're deficient, and you put that aside and you just hear the truth that when God sees you, he smiles. And he smiles from a place of love and cherishing. And that is the truth. And that you'll know this to be true. And that that truth that God cherishes us, he invites us then to invite other people into that truth. So the people that aren't here this week, I get the weather's one thing, but next week invite friends so they can huddle and hear that same truth. Because unlike relationships with humans, there's no reason to fear acceptance of God. There's no reason to fear not being loved or valued by God. The fear and pain that generates the many forms of hypocrisy in our world can be released if a trust of God's truth about his love would be affirmed. Ash Wednesday. It's a journey with Jesus to a cross. Daily remove a mask. Daily. Maybe even ponder what masks am I wearing and Lord help me set them aside that I don't have to pretend with you. I can be honest because you already know. And in that time, remember that God loves you. That God forgives you. That you are a child of God and there's really nothing you can do about that. And smile. Because on the other side of the cross, it's a beautiful place. Get to go home with our Father. God bless your Lenten journey. Amen. And as we pause on this, I want you to be mindful of the words. It's a statement for us to hold on to. It's a statement for others to hear. It's like in a, in a war of truth wars. This is a statement for us of truth, and so we claim it, and we claim it boldly out loud. We will declare our faith, we'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Accomplish in us, O God, the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, Bring us with all your saints to the joy of his resurrection. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he does not desire the death of sinners, but rather that they may turn from their wickedness and live. Therefore, we implore him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that those things may please him which we do on this day 
that the rest of our life may be pure and holy, and that at the last we may come to his eternal joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. This in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.